This message was recorded live at Elevate Church in Erie, Pennsylvania. As followers of Christ, we follow a God who was crucified, dead, buried, got up, walked out of the tomb, demonstrating that there's nothing that you and I can't walk out of. He doesn't love me based on my performance. God loves me based on my position. It matters so much that we imitate Christ and we live out those principles. There's nothing that you could do. There's there's no great sin that you could have ever committed that would be a barrier between you and Jesus. To learn more about Elevate, how you can get connected, or how you can support the work that Elevate is doing in Erie, visit elevateerie.tv. What's going on? How you guys doing today? Hey, um, if this is your first time here, I want to welcome you. My name's Colby. I'm the pastor here. You picked a great week to come because we're in the second week in this series called Kill Joys. Now you might be like, what's a kill joy? Here's what a kill joy is. It's those people that really drain you. They, they suck the life out of you. They rob and kill your joy. How many of you have those people in your life? Anybody? Awesome. And I know they're not here today, right, with you. Um, so that's where we are. In fact, in fact, next week I'm excited because next week we're, we're going to talk specifically about the killjoys of the people who are fakers, right? We're approaching Halloween. So we're going to talk about the people who want to wear masks, the people that, that are hypocrites, the people that say one thing and do something else. That's next week. I'm pumped about that. And then after we talk about the fakers, for the last week we're going to talk about the haters, the critics, the people who anything and everything is wrong, is bad, and they will point it out, and they will often point it out to you. So we're going to talk about those guys. This week, however, we're going to talk about the manipulators, the manipulators, the people that want to control the outcomes of our lives. And maybe they know it, or maybe they do it unknowingly, but they manipulate us. How many of you, just by raising your hands, would say, honestly, you've had people at some point or sometime in your life try to control you? Raise your hand. All right, now keep it up, keep it up high. Now take your pointer finger and point it, and point it at that person. Are they here? (laughs) Just kidding, I'm kidding, don't do that, don't do that. I was just seeing if I could control you and tell you what to do. There's an old joke uh, that goes like this. In heaven, at the, the pearly gate, St. Peter's up there, and one day he was monitoring people coming in and going, and you know, I was gonna say coming in and coming out. I don't know if they leave, so I don't, I don't know if that's theologically accurate or not. So coming in, right? And this really is probably theologically accurate now that I say that. Um, they're coming in, there's two lines. And so one line says, for men, who are controlled by their wives. And this line extends as far as the eye can see, right? It's just going forever and forever. And then there's this other line that says, for men who weren't controlled by their wives, and there's one guy standing there, just one. And Peter walks up to him and goes, hey man, what's up? Why are you in this line? He's like, I don't know. My wife just told me to shut up and stand over here. (laughs) Don't ask any questions. You don't know anything about that today. The reality is um, this can be an issue. It can be an issue in our relationships and it's one of those kind of difficult things to tackle. If you have your Bible, open up to Matthew chapter 16. That's where we're going to be for most of our time. But we all know these people that try to manipulate us, try to pull the strings of our lives. And we're gonna talk about how we cope, how we manage uh, the manipulators and controllers in our lives. This uh, 2 Corinthians 4 This is the message paraphrase. I love this. It says, we refuse to wear masks and to play games. 
We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. Here's what you need to understand. Manipulation is not new. It's been around for a long time. In fact, I'll give you three examples in scripture of people who were uh, manipulated or controlled. The first is found in Mark 6. If you want to just bookmark it, you can go back and read about it later. But it shows two different women in the New Testament who controlled Herod. If you know this story, Herod was throwing a, a birthday party, this, this big birthday bash. A lot of people were coming. They obviously had too much to drink. He was probably catching a serious buzz. And he turns to the daughter of Herodias and says, hey, I want you to dance for me. And so she does some dance. And it must have been some crazy, you know, amazing dance because it messed with Herod's mind. And what he says was, hey, honey, that dance was good. So I'm going to give you anything you want. In fact, take all you want up to half of my kingdom. And so the daughter of Herodias runs back to her mom and says, mom, what should we ask for? Like he's offering anything. And Herodias at this particular time in history, she really despised and hated John the Baptist. John the Baptist, you know, had been pointing out some sin in her life, had been calling her out on stuff and she didn't like it. So she said, this is what we want. We want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And so these two women back Herod into a corner and ultimately lead him to do something, you know, kill John the Baptist that he didn't want to do, control and manipulation. Another time in Genesis 25, in the Old Testament, you see two brothers, Jacob and Esau. Esau's the older brother. He was uh, given the birthright as the oldest son, the firstborn. You had the birthright. And so um, Jacob didn't have it. So he's kind of ticked about that. And one day Esau was out, you know, hunting, killing some wild game, comes back, maybe killed a deer or... Uh, I don't even know what else they would be killing back in those days, but he killed something and he was busy. And so he comes back and he's tired from all this work and, and hunting and his brother's kicking up this awesome, cooking up this awesome bowl of stew. And so he smells it and he's like, man, that smells good. I'm dying. I need something to eat. He turns to Jacob and says, Jacob, I'm hungry. I'm dying. I need something. And so Jacob says, gotcha. And in a power play move, he backs him into a corner and says, all right, I'll give you some stew if you give me your birthright, control, and manipulation. One more, and perhaps, perhaps the most tragic, but also it's pretty funny, is the story of Samson and Delilah in the Old Testament. Samson was uh, one of the, the judges, and Samson, if you know anything about him, had this supernatural strength that came from you know, his hair. And the Philistines, the enemies, were always trying to figure out how he, you know, where his strength come, came from, what made him so strong. And so they sent in basically the spy, this temptress, this seductress in Delilah to kind of go undercover and figure out the secret to Samson's strength. And so over and over again, you know, she would use uh, manipulation. She'd be like, hey, big boy, you know, you're so strong. You're so tough. How do you get all your strength, right? And time and time again, she would try to do this to him. And, you know, he, would, he, he knew it was a trick, so he'd kind of get out of it. But she was um, just kept on pursuing, kept on pursuing. She wouldn't give up. And so look at what the Bible says in Judges 16, 15. Finally, it says she came to him and said, how can you say I love you when you won't confide in me? This is the third time you've made a fool of me and haven't told me the secret of your great Strength. This is where it gets funny. Verse 16, with such what? With such, everybody say it. Nagging. Nagging. She prodded him day after day until he was what? Tired to death. <laughs> you ever felt that way? 
just nag, nag, nag until like you're tired to death. And he's just like, finally, you know, whatever, you know, just shut up, stop nagging me. And I'll tell you, it's my hair, it's my hair. And he gives in to her, nagging until he's tired to death. I love that. The reality is, this really is a common problem in our relationships. And tragically, in our lives, we'll often allow people, um, and sometimes they have, you know, they mean to hurt us, you know, manipulate us to, to hurt us, but a lot of times, they don't even know that they're doing it. And one way or another, they end up cornering us, backing ourselves into a corner, pulling the, the strings and the, the ropes of manipulation in our lives, and we end up surrendering the direction of our lives to someone other than God. So how do they work? How do manipulators do it? What are the methods of the manipulators? I'm gonna give them to you. And the first one uh, I'm gonna say is this one. The first rope of the manipulator, the, the string of the manipulator, somebody that's gonna pull you around is the, the, the string of flattery. They use flattery to manipulate. This is the guy in the office that's like, boss, that was such a great presentation, man. You're the best boss. I have the best boss in the world. You're awesome. You know, this is like the Andy Bernard, you know, in the office. If you guys watch The Office, anybody? All right, well, I love The Office. But this is like that guy that's the brown noser, the suck up, and he does it in order to manipulate. Man, you're so great. And by the way, can I have off next week, right? That's that guy that does that. So he uses flattery. Or it's the girl that goes, girl, you look like you're losing weight, Right? Or, man, I love your hair today. But for guys, you know, you don't, you don't say you look like you're losing weight. You're like, man, you working out? You're going to the gym? You're getting big, bro. And they use this flattery in order to drag you around. This, this rope, this method of manipulation. Another one, and probably more common, and that's why it's red, is the one of threats. They use threats in order to manipulate. This is the person that says, hey, if you do this, then this is what's gonna happen. They use cause and effect in order to control. They say, all right, all right, if you're gonna do that, then I'm not talking to you anymore. I'm not calling you anymore. You're not gonna be my friend. They use guilt or, or threats in order to control you. This could be, this is what my kids do. They'll say, hey, if you do that again, I'm telling dad, right? They're threatening something. If you do this again, I'm telling mom. Maybe for you, it's your spouse saying, hey, if you do that again, then you ain't getting any of this. You do that, you ain't getting this. I don't know what this is. You could use your imagination on what this could be, but they use threats in order to manipulate you and drag you around by the rope of threats. And the last one I want to talk about is this one. And this one happens a lot too. This is guilt. These are the people that say, you know what? That's fine. You know, if you guys want to go ahead, you go ahead. I'll just stay here by myself, all alone, right? They use guilt in order to control to make you feel bad. This is a person that says, oh, you know, I can't believe you're doing what you're doing and you call yourself a Christian. Or I can't believe you're, you're acting that way. You know, this could be your mom that says, hey, you know, you never come to visit me anymore. Or, uh, you know, maybe you, your children use this. Like, if you really love me, mom, then you would get this for me. If you really love me, dad, you know, you would buy this for me. They use guilt in order to manipulate, guilt in order to control and pull you in the rope of manipulation. And the reality is this happens all over the place. And again, sometimes it happens knowingly. Sometimes it happens unknowingly, unknowingly. So what do we do? 
Like with these ropes of flattery and threats and guilt that, that people will grab the strings of our life and try to control you, what do we do when someone is trying to manipulate us? How do we cut the ropes? How do we release the strings of manipulation in our lives? I'm gonna offer you today three prayers. Three prayers that I want you to write down. And here's the thing that we need to all understand is the reality is we can be controlling and manipulating too. So what you don't wanna do is just start tugging back on the rope. It's one thing you know, for somebody to be pulling you this way, but when you just turn the table on them and start tugging back, all you're doing is now imposing your will on their life. So that's not what we're going to do. We're gonna ask God's help through his spirit to help us how do we deal, how do we handle the manipulators in our life. The first prayer that you wanna pray is a prayer of recognition. Write that down. Recognition. And this is the prayer, God, help me see when someone's trying to manipulate me. God, help me be able to recognize when I'm being manipulated because the reality is some of you have been in dysfunctional relationships for so long, you don't even see it. Maybe you've been being played for so long and you're just kind of playing right along with it. God, help me see, help me recognize when someone's trying to manipulate me, when, when I'm tied up, when someone's using guilt or flattery or these threats in my life and leading me to do something other than what you'd have me do, leading me away from your best God. There's an interesting story, Matthew 16. Um, when Jesus is opening up to his disciples, he's, he's kind of in this very vulnerable moment. He gathers his, his closest friends, the guys he's been doing life with together, you know, and he says, all right, guys, this is why I came. I came you know, to this world to, to save the world. In fact, here's what's gonna happen. And he starts to lay out his plan and his purpose to these guys. And he says, you know what? I'm gonna be dragged away. I'm gonna be beaten. I'm gonna be crucified. It's gonna be awful, but it's for your benefit that I'm doing it. Because three days later, like that song says, you know, I'm gonna be brought back to life. I'm gonna be resurrected and it's for your benefit. So in this vulnerable moment, as he's laying out his purpose, we see it in Matthew 16, verse 21. Uh, read it with me. The text says, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed. And on the third day, be raised to life. Now watch verse 22. Peter tries to take control. I love Peter for a number of different reasons, but he tries to grab hold of the situation to pick up the rope. And this is what he says. He says this, Peter took him aside. Now real quick, I want to stop there. Why did he take him aside? Why did he take him aside? Because manipulators often lose their power in groups. They would rather pull you off to the side. They would rather isolate you to get your ear because they lose that, that power, that control in groups. As he took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. Now, what's interesting about this is I think we have to acknowledge there are times when um, there are intentional manipulators. It could be the husband that uses threats to abuse his wife. If you don't do this, you know, I'm not gonna do that, and that's the way it's going to be. Or it could be the wife that, that, that uses guilt, you know, in order to control, you know, her husband. It could be the bully in school that uses threats, you know, against the, the weaker ones or the, the littler ones. But often, 
And probably more common form of manipulation isn't from people who dislike us, but oftentimes from people who love us and think that they have their best, you know, our best interest in mind and know what's best for us. Like Peter, Peter was saying, Jesus, I don't want you to die. Like, I don't want you to go to the cross. I don't want you to get crucified. You know, I don't want this for you. And if you really think about it, Peter in his good intentions was trying to stand between Jesus and God's will for Jesus. And there are people in your life and they might be meaning well, but they could be standing between you and God's will for your life. And maybe they're saying, hey, 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 you know, we want what's best for you. We don't go down that road. You know, trust me, they mean well, but they're standing between you and where God wants you to be. So how do you recognize that? Like, how do you know when someone's trying to manipulate you and control? I wanna give you two things real quick if you wanna write these down. The first is this, you often feel guilty and find it hard to say no. There's probably several of you in the room today. You find it hard to say no. Like when somebody approaches you, you get that feeling of, well, if I don't do it, then no one else is gonna do it. There's this idea that you carry around this weight that if you don't, no one else will. And when you say no, there's something, this, this guilt is birthed inside of you because you want to, to help out. You want to please them. You find it hard to say no. That's, that's a good indication that you're being manipulated. A second one is this. Uh, you compromise your values to please others. And this one's more dangerous. You compromise your values to please other people. This is for, this is for the guy and the girl that are dating. And, and you've decided, you know, maybe you're a young woman, you've decided, you know, I'm gonna wait till I get married before we cross that line and have sex. We're gonna be pure, we're gonna commit ourselves. But he's pressuring you. And he says things like, you know, um, flattery. He says, but I love you. You're the one for me. You know, you're so beautiful. I'll never, you know, let you go. Or he'll use guilt and threats. And he'll say, well, if you don't, there's a hundred other women who will. And because of that, you compromise your values. And someone who doesn't really care that much about you, obviously, is leading you in another direction where you compromise. Or maybe it could be, it could be your friends, They've invited you to go out this weekend to go to the clubs. I don't know, maybe we don't have a lot of people to go to the clubs. Maybe they invited you out this weekend to go on a wine tour, right? And this is what they've said. In fact, they've hired a driver for the wine tour, which let me just, let me just talk about this real fast, all right? When you hire a driver for a wine tour, what you're doing is you are scheduling sin. I'd be very careful with that. What you're saying is I'm gonna drink too much that I can't even drive, right? I, I've watched that. Is it, is it a sin to drink in my personal opinion? No, no. But the Bible is very clear about you shouldn't drink too much and don't get, get drunk, right? And so, so they say, hey, we want you to come out. And you've decided, you know what? I'm not going this time. This year, I'm not going because I remember what happened last year or because I don't remember what happened last year. <laughs> you decide, I'm not going. And what do they do? They use guilt, they're like, oh, okay. Well, I see you're 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 better than us now. You know you're you know you're too good for that. You're you're Miss Goody, you know, two shoes. Or maybe you've just given your life to follow Jesus, and you've decided there's some things in your life that He wants you to let go of. 
And you're like, you know what? I'm not coming out. I'm not gonna do that anymore. And they use guilt to manipulate you and say, all right, well, now you're a Christian girl. You're a little Christian guy. You're holier than thou. And it's not that they don't like you or love you. They just want you to be there. But they pick up the ropes and they try to drag you along through, through guilt. They try to lead you and make decisions for your life that could lead you down a path of destruction. They, they are picking up those ropes of manipulation in your life. Before long, someone else is, is pulling you along and leading you to do something that you know you shouldn't. God, help us to recognize that. Help us to see when people are trying to manipulate. The second prayer is this. It's the prayer of protection. Write this down. Protection. And here's what we're going to say. God, empower me. In other words, give me the, the courage. Give me the resolve. Give me the will to put healthy boundaries in place. To redefine the relationship with the manipulator. To redefine those boundaries. Now, that doesn't give you license to be rude or a jerk. And that's not what I'm saying. It's just saying, you know what? Looking at my life, I can't let you lead me anymore down that path. In fact, here are a new set of rules. You put a new boundary in place. Watch this. You can't put a bigger boundary in place than, than Jesus did with Peter when Peter said, you know, I don't want you to go. You know, I don't want you to die. Jesus turned to him in verse 23, and Peter, what did he say? Get behind me, Satan. That's a boundary right there. Get behind me, Satan, he called him Satan. Why? You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. So guys, what do you do? Next time your wife starts to manipulate you, you say, woman? <laughs> Satan? No, I'm just kidding. Don't say that. Don't say that. <laughs> but here's what you can do. When you see your kids are, are trying to use it, trying to use guilt, trying to, and I know your kids pout, and I know your kids throw fits. That's why your numbers flash up here on the screens, all right? I get that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding about that too. But my kids do too, right? And like not that long ago, you know, Park, Park was like, he's my youngest. He wants to have like candy for breakfast. I'm like, you can't have candy for breakfast. He doesn't like eat that much breakfast. I don't know what his deal is. So he like stomps his feet, right? He rolls his eyes, you know, he starts to, to cry. He's like throwing everything at me. And I'm like, you can stomp your feet, you can, you know, pout, you can flop around on the floor, but that's not going to work. Some of you, you need to do that with other relationships in your life. You need to say, all right, listen, listen, you want to manipulate me? You want to you know, pout? You want to use guilt? You want to use threats? That's not going to work anymore. There are a new set of rules, to the boss that makes you feel bad for not working 75 hours a week. You say, you know what? The one that says, well, if you don't do that like everyone else is, I don't know if you have a place here anymore. You say, you know what? Why don't you go ahead and follow through on that threat? My family's more important to me than this. Or maybe it's the spouse that says that to you. Well, if you keep doing this, then I'm leaving. I'm gone. I'm not sticking around anymore. They're using threats. And you look them in the eye and very lovingly say, you know what? If you want to follow through on that, you go ahead. But that's not godly leadership. That's not mutual submission. I'm not going to continue to, uh, to define the boundaries, you know, of, of my life. And you redefine those relationships in a very loving way. 
say, I can't let you continue to pull me down that path. In fact, I'll give you an example from this church. When we planted this church, the week before Elevate launched, I got myself into a situation where um, I really feel like God was just testing me. Like God was saying, all right, I wanna see how serious you are about leading this church well, about honoring God. And what happened was we had this, um, this, this drummer that was, uh, man, he, he, was, he was rehearsing with us for months and months and months and months before we even launched. Like before we launched, getting the equipment, you know, his drums, all this kind of stuff, you know, you know, helping us out, saying we can use all this stuff. And the week before we launched, this guy says, you know what, I can separate my, there's this battle with, you know, kind of his relationships and his household and all that kind of stuff going back and forth. And he said, I can separate my relationship with my wife and my family with my worship of God. And I said, no, you can't. He's like, well, if I can't play, then I'm gonna take my stuff and I'm leaving. And you know, I felt like in that moment that, that God was, was testing me, that God would say, all right, let's see, let's see if you're really serious about, about honoring me through this. And I said, all right, we'll take your stuff. And that week, the week before, just a few days before, we found a new drummer to help launch this church. And I believe that it was in that moment that maybe that doesn't seem like a significant thing, but I believe God was saying, you know what? I've trusted you with a little bit. I'm gonna give you more. I'm going to give you more. And I believe some of you are in a situation that someone is standing between you and what God has for you. They've backed you into a corner and it could be that God is testing you saying, are you really serious about following me? Like how serious are you about following Jesus? How serious are you about being a Christian, a follower of mine? You willing to let down those ropes to let go of it? God, help us, like protect us, help us to, to, to define some boundaries in our life and recognize when people are trying to control us. Because I believe with all my heart that God wants you to let go of that. And why is this so important ultimately? Um, is if you let someone control you in that way, what you're really doing when, when you really boil it down is you're committing the sin of idolatry. Kind of let that sink in. When you're deciding you're gonna hand over the reins, the ropes of the leadership of your life to someone other than God, that's committing the sin of idolatry and what he wants for you. The first is God help me to see when someone's trying to manipulate me. The second is God empower me to put healthy boundaries in place. And number three, and this is kind of the most important thought for us today where I wanna land is submission. Write that down. This is the prayer of submission. You know what submission means? It means sub, to, to go underneath, to come under, like mission. And what I'm talking about is, is coming under God's mission for your life. This prayer of submission, it says this, God, help me see my own desire to control and surrender everything to you. Because the reality is, it's easy to take that finger and to zero in on the killjoys that are manipulating us and controlling us but we all can be the manipulators and the controllers from one time in our life for another. So God, help us see when we're being that person and help us surrender and submit, you know, and trust in you. And I can't speak for you, I can speak for me. And if I'm completely honest, this is an area of my life where I have a, an ungodly desire to like control. 
like control the outcome of, you know, my marriage. I want a certain way. You know, I want Kristen to do, you know, certain, certain things. I want my kids, you know, to be a certain way. I want to control the environments. I want everybody to be safe. I want, I want the church. You know, I want to control things. And the reality is if, if I look at that, there are two reasons why we would do that. One is because I, I don't want to surrender, you know, control to anyone or anything else. That's one of the reasons why I might want to control things. I'm afraid of surrendering. But two, and I hate this about myself, but if I'm just being honest, is that I could trust Colby more than I could trust God. Right? I can trust in me. I can trust in what I can accomplish more than I could trust in God, which is a way of saying, you know what? I make a better God than God. And the reality is if, if there's something in your life you want to control and manipulate, either you're afraid of surrendering it, either you're afraid of, of dropping the ropes, or it's because you think you make a better God than God. And none of us make a better God than God. Because we can't see the big picture. We don't know everything. We're not powerful enough, and yet we try to control and manipulate we try to do that in our relationships, and I promise you, if this is your relationship, you're constantly picking this up and dragging it along and trying to manipulate and trying to control through guilt or threats or flattery or any of that, then you'll never experience the kind of relationship that God wants you to have. Because in this kind of relationship, you know what? That's not a give and take. That's just, I'm controlling and it's my way or the highway. You have to learn to drop that. You have to learn to let go of that in order to experience what God wants you to have. So I don't know what it is for you. Maybe it is your family. Maybe it's your, your, your marriage. Maybe it's with, with your kids where you're that, that hovering parent. You know, you're trying to control everything all the time. And instead of trying to control it, you drop it. You say, God, I trust you with this in my life. I trust you with it. Here's what scripture says, and I love this, in Isaiah 26, three through four. It says this, you will be kept in perfect peace. If I can be honest, this kind of relationship right here, this is not peaceful. And I know a lot of people, and I wouldn't say their lives are defined by peace. It's a lot of turmoil, a lot of anxiety, maybe a lot of guilt in their lives. It says, but if you'll, do what? If you'll trust in God, you'll be kept in perfect peace. All who trust in God and all whose thoughts are fixed on you. When I'm trying to control, my thoughts are fixed on what I can do, what I can accomplish, how I can get the job done. But verse four, trust in the Lord. How often everybody say it? Always. Always. Trust in the Lord with with that marriage, trust in the Lord with that, that, that child that, that's gone astray, that, that kid that you, know, you feel like you know, he's, just, he's going in a bad direction, you don't know what to do, trust in the Lord. Trust the Lord in those situations where you can't see the end. Trust in the Lord with your, your finances. When you wanna take control and do it your way, trust in the Lord, for he is the eternal rock. Here's what I want you to know, if you are holding on to this, and you're saying, well, I gotta keep control. I gotta keep control. I gotta manipulate. You know, I have to use whatever means I can to stay on top of things. If you are leading, or if you're in the driver's seat of your life, 
you, I can promise you, you are not experiencing God's best for your life. Because you don't make a good God, I don't make a good God. So when I say, God, you know what? All right, these things I want to control. You know, this church, this church is yours anyway. I'm powerless to do anything. It's, it belongs to you. When I try to control my, my kids and my family, God, you know what? I can't, I can't control the outcome. I can pray for them. I can turn them over to you. I can trust you with them. God, I want, to, I want to lead my family well, not control them. There's a big difference between godly leadership and control. And today, God's saying, you know what? Just trust me with that. Just, just put it down. Because if you're in the driver's seat of your life, you are not experiencing God's best for you. Here's what I want us to do. I want to take an opportunity to respond with every head bowed, every eye closed. You got two invitations today. The first is this. Those of you that know, know that there are things that you have such a tight grip on that you're trying to control. It's keeping you up at night. It's putting knots in your stomach. You're feeling anxious. You're feeling worried about it. Maybe it's your health. Maybe it's a child. Maybe it's a a teen, a college student. Maybe it's a husband. Maybe it's a wife. You're trying to control the outcome, and today, God wants you to let that go. Release it. Pray for them. Give them to God and say, God, I can't do anything with this anyway. Today, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to trust you that you are more powerful, you are more capable than I am anyway. So I let go of that. While we're praying across this room, if you'd say, Colby, there's something in my life I, I, need, I need prayer for that to let go of. Would you just slip up your hand wherever you are and just kind of keep it up, keep it up. And in this sense, basically, just take an opportunity, like you're releasing it back to God. You're just letting it go. God, I pray for the hands in this room that say, God, I need to release to you maybe that child, maybe that, that spouse. God, we need, we need a miracle in this. And I can't do it myself. I need to let go of the ropes of control. I release them to you. Jesus, help in that situation. You can put your hands down. And while we're still praying, the second invitation is this. There are those of you that you are holding on to the rope of control of your life. That you're holding so tightly to it because either you think you can do it better that you trust yourself more than you trust God. Or maybe, maybe the reason you're holding on so tight is because you don't think you're good enough because of your past, because of the mistakes you've made, or because of you know, choices that you've made. And you don't know how anyone could love you. So you're just, you're doing this all on your own. Today, I need you to know that God so loves you, that he came so you could release that. So you can let go of the control of your life. You can allow Jesus, the son of the living God, to come live inside of you. That he died for all that shame, that guilt, those bad choices, those decisions that you've made, that no one is too far from God. That God can't reach down in an instant and pick you up and turn your life around. And today, he's reaching out for you. He's brought you here to this place to hear just how much he loves you and cares for you, no matter how much you want to control things, 
is not going to work well. And so he sent Jesus to bridge the gap between you and God, to have a relationship with him. It's never been about church attendance. It's always been about this loving, unconditional love, forgiveness that we find through Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection on the cross. And if today God brought you to this place to surrender the control of your life, maybe you've never made that decision, you've never crossed that line of faith, today I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. It's through prayer that we do that. Pray this with me and pray it out loud. You can whisper it to God. He knows, say today, Jesus, I'm letting go of the ropes of my life. I'm laying it down at your feet because I don't know what to do anyway. And today, Jesus, I recognize you for who you are. I believe that you came to this world for me. You died for me so that I could live for you. And so today, I put my trust in you. I take it from me and I give it to you. Jesus, you're Lord of my life. I pray in your name, amen, amen. Church, celebrate with those today that put their faith and their trust, they let go and put their trust in the resurrected King who's resurrecting us as well. We are always encouraged to know that God is using Elevate to bless people's lives. If you have a story about how God is working in your life, share your story online at elevateerie.tv.